Hey everyone, George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School. And today on the No Film School podcast, we're talking to producers who read a script and decided they absolutely had to make the movie. Now, that's interesting in and of itself, and we spend a lot of time on it because there are so many of us out there trying to make movies, starting off with writing scripts, maybe reading scripts. What is it that gets people immediately like in the mindset of, I'm making this movie. <laughs> Come hell or high water, I have to make it. Well, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of potential ingredients, but I think that is ultimately the desired outcome of every script read. Now, this, I'll let these guys tell the story. They are Dylan Matlock and JP Owlette. And they tell the story of reading the script by friends. And it's pretty incredible. The story of this film, I don't want to give too much away. It's about the impact of school shootings. It's called Mass. It debuted at Sundance in 2021. It's won numerous awards. It's available to watch on Apple TV or Amazon or Roku and other places that you can do streaming and pay for the film. There's a lot about this to unpack, which we do in the interview. I'll just say beyond the actual making of it, Movies that touch on important issues and have something of value to say about them will almost always get some attention if they're good, obviously. Like, you're never going to get anywhere if the scripts aren't good. That, <laughs> that's sort of the, the thing. But, like, if you're looking for or wondering about, like, what do I, what can I do to, like, crack through the noise? It's like, if you have something to say or can come up with something to say that's really insightful or meaningful about a topic that, everybody is aware of and on some level thinking about or touched by, then that's a great place to start. And that's exactly what Mass does. So I'll let JP and Dylan talk about how it does that and how they went ahead and made the film. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I don't know where to begin with this movie. There's so much to talk about, Mass. I really want to talk about the intention, the response. It's, an, it's a movie about a very, very important issue. <laughs> it's like one of the most important and like hard for us to face and deal with for many reasons that seem frustrating. But I guess I want to start before we get into all that. There's a lot of producers on this movie. A lot of people, I've been a producer myself. A lot of people always wonder like, okay, there's all these producers. What do they each do? Can you tell us, contextualize for us, you're both producers on Mass, when you got involved and what that meant in terms of your role in the project? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go first since I was the one that kind of discovered the script accidentally in a way. We worked, Dylan and I worked with Fran Kranz, the writer-director, about five or six years ago and had a professional relationship with him and a friendship. And about three years ago, I bumped into him at a cookout in LA and I just sold a script myself and he was talking about it. And he was like, Hey man, I'm writing this, this new movie. I've been working on it for years. Would you like to read it and give me some feedback? He completely undersold it under the guise <laughs> of, Hey, Give me some feedback. You're a writer too. Would love to know, you know, what this is. And as Fran always says, you know, if you 
want to never hear back from someone again, then Hollywood, just ask them to read your script. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I kind of did that. I was like, yeah, cool, man. Even though we had a good friend. And it sat on my computer for about two or three weeks because, you know, I was working and doing other things. And uh, yeah. And then I was in on another film. We're in a transpo van from Los Angeles to Vegas. And I was like, oh, man, I still got to read Fran's script. And I'm in this transfer van full of people and I'm like, okay, I'll read it on the trip to Vegas and text them some notes and, you know, get it off my plate. You know, like I had no nice. idea what I was about to get into. And did you read it on your phone or your tablet? I'm just curious. I'm picturing you in yeah. this van. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in this van. I'm the producer of this fashion project and it's just models in there <laughs> there's a driver models and me reading the script literally i i had it on my my laptop then my laptop died and then i switched to my phone but i was sitting there it was a uh, surreal experience you know i was sitting there had just headphones on zoning out reading the script and then by page and page 55 or so, I knew I was going to make the movie. I was in the band crying while reading and having all these models just kind of like looking over at me like, what is going on with this wow. guy? <laughs> and I just was totally captivated. And then we all stopped at a restaurant and I had, I took a little break and then read the rest of the, the film and cried again. And I never cry reading scripts you know i'm able to compartmentalize it it's part of my job and i i know it's emotional and blah 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 but this one i just couldn't fight it and wow here yeah here i was in a van full of models in the way to vegas to shoot some content show and just crying again and they're like what are you reading you know like what is this and <laughs> You know, and I, I, I told them, I'm like, it's just an amazing script. It's, uh, you know, it's about these parents grieving after a school shooting. It's extremely powerful. I didn't, I was like apologizing. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm here crying. Like, it was just surreal. And Can, can you tell yeah. me what, I mean, I'm sure I have some idea, but can you tell us what it was about seeing, on what came off the page? That, yeah. that created that emotional response for you mm -hmm. because well, we might have ideas based on having seen the film, but it's very, as you say, it's, it's uncommon. Well, it's uncommon for people to read scripts that people hand them, but it's definitely uncommon that you would start crying reading. It. Yeah. Yeah. It was, first off, it was a mystery, the structure of the story. Uh -huh. And if you are able to, if you haven't seen the film yet and you hear this and you want to watch it, just go in completely dark um don't watch a trailer don't watch anything because i was reading the script dark again it was undersold to me i barely knew the premise yeah i knew nothing and the first maybe 55 pages is this jump off the page mystery where you're turning you have you don't know what's going on yet you're getting little pieces you're turning each page as, as fast as you can just to get more information and then you just get, you start learning why they're there. You, you feel the emotion of the characters. It's building, building, building. It's like 
I always called it like a, a tea kettle. You know, mm. it was just building, building. And then when Martha's character has her big reveal, literally right in the, the midpoint of the movie, I was shocked. I was crying. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. It was like I was, it was like I was, again, punched in the stomach. It was like I couldn't breathe. And it was just so perfectly designed up into that moment. And then after that moment, just like when you're watching the film, it's like that's when all the tissues come out in the theater. That's yeah. when you're, you, you lean forward. We're lucky to see this with a, a full packed house at a theater a couple of times. People are just leaning towards the screen, just trying to get closer to the information, closer to the emotion. And it's just, and that's where I was in, in the, in the script. The script was just, it was just that perfect. It came, it came to us perfect. And you executed on what it delivered in that read, right? That you guys preserve all of that, it seems mm-hmm. like, which is incredible on its yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah. And being a writer myself, I was just like, I went in, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give my friend some script notes. It's going to be a bunch of work. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm like, I'm going to have pages and have to talk to him for two hours. And I like, I had like two or three tiny notes. I found one like little typo and I was like, yes, I found a typo. I found something I can, you know, like, wow. I got, you know, I, got, I can tell Fran I found something, you know, like literally it was, it was that perfect. He was working on it for four years. It was just that good. And I got to Vegas with the crew. We checked into the hotel about one thirty in the morning. Um, we had a very late call the next day. So it was, it was good to kind of, just settle into the hotel and I called Fran at literally about one thirty in the morning. And I was like, I think I woke him up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm sure I did. And I was just like, Hey man, I just read your script. It's, it's amazing. And, and we have to do this movie. You know, here he was just sending to me, to me for notes and just feedback. And I was like, no, we have to do this movie. What was his response to you? Like he knew you were a producer, you had a background, <laughs> you were also a writer. Was he like, uh, oh, okay, like, or how, or like, yeah, I, I mean, that's an exciting reaction ladder, to script, yeah. but yeah, yeah, like, yeah, how so, would be? <laughs> so it was like, it was at almost two in the morning at this point, you know, I told him the story I just told you, like how the emotional impact yeah. of it, it was a five minute call, six, you know, like it was a nothing call, like for time wise, because he was literally like the latter. He was like, well, how do we do this? You know? Yeah. And I go, I don't know. I'm exhausted. I was like emotionally and physically exhausted. I'm like, I don't know, but let's, you know, I don't shoot until tomorrow night. Let's talk tomorrow, you know? And he was like, all right, cool. And then we just, I sent the script to Dylan. I'm, you know, I was like, this is our next movie. Like, uh, I'm talking to Fran tomorrow. And it was just, we were cooking with gas from that point on. And Dylan, did you get the email at, two o'clock in the morning or did you, <laughs> did you see the next thing you're like what the hell jp on right now like what tell me your version where it comes to you the baton handoff here yeah it's it's so it's so funny because he he literally did like this is this is an amazing script like i think he even said like it's gonna do awards like this is gonna be the movie like we gotta do this we have to and he said it to me but he also gave me no heads up about what it was about he wanted me to have that same experience of like just reading it and going through that emotional journey. So I, I, again, I had no idea what the the topic was, nothing. 
just that this was a, a movie he was excited for us to do. Yeah, I was blown away by it as well. Just, yeah, the emotions that you get, the journey that you go on, and you feel like you know all the characters. They they all feel like they have their own distinctive voice, you know, which is mm-hmm. a very hard trick to pull off. And, you know, so from there, we ended up meeting with, with Fran and talked about how we were going to get this movie made, you know? Um, it was it was definitely a subject matter that, you know, a lot of people were shying away from. And, but it was, the, the script was so good, we just, we just had to do it. The only thing we had, um, the only attachment that was on the movie when we came on was uh, Reed Birdie. We were, we were very lucky to have him. Reed and Fran go back from working at theater, being on, doing the Broadway thing, and he was he was signed on to to play Richard. And that's such a hard role. But and knowing so, that we had someone so good already attached made it really exciting. And from there we were able to to build on our cast. And we we got we got a little bit money, little bit of money put in, like kind of like first money in, very small. And we just set a start date and we're like, this is the goal. We're gonna tell everybody. This is when we're shooting, and we're just going to make it happen, you know? And th- you mentioned theater. That is probably a pretty significant influence, the theater background here on the nature of the story, the way it's told, the way it's put together, the quality of the writing, beyond just the dynamic with Reed, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing about, about the movie is that it's very stripped down. And one thing that excited us uh, was that it would be a movie that was really simple and just about these four people in the room. It, w- it was funny. He, w- he, <laughs> he gave us a warning. He's like, are we going to be able to get people interested in seeing four people talk in a room? Like, can we do that? He's like, we didn't want to do, you know, flashbacks or get people out of the room. We just wanted them in that room. So in, in that way, it's kind of, a, it is a lot like theater. I, I think that it could only live as a movie because of the camera work that we do and just how it gets you really, really inside the, the conversation and seeing the people's faces close up. Yeah, I think, I think it, but it was very much influenced by, by, a th- by theater and how it unfolds and how it, how it is just that four people in a room and I think what was what I think appealed to Fred is that we were we were we were down to do it. You know, we were down to take those risks of having a an was it eighty five page scene. <laughs> you know, that's that's like <laughs> looking at it, looking at the script. We're like, okay, eighty five pages, one table. You know, like we're like, let's do it. Uh, it sounds fun. How did you attach the rest of your excellent talent and start to secure? A budget and and I know these things are are kind of like a puzzle. They come together like they rely on one another to some extent. But from a producing standpoint, as great as you you obviously both believed in the script, but there's a lot of resources to marshal and a lot of people to convince to make a movie like this happen at all, right? So can you tell us about that part? Because that's the that's the amazing thing. One of the amazing things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Luckily, we had such an amazing script. It 
went to all the agencies and they, they did coverage on it. So kind of everybody, you know, that got their hands on it just knew how amazing it was. So we're very lucky. Uh, Fran, Fran met up with, uh, with Jason Isaacs and, and Martha and they were pretty much first choices. They, they had, they talked together and Jason was excited. I know, he, I know he said he thought it would never get made, but he just loved it so much. Loved the script so much. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then uh, we're, we're racking our braids on 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 who to play that that hard the hard role of of Linda, and uh, I'll let JP tell that story. Yeah, um, we had this amazing cast rounding out, and Linda was the hardest one to fill, and it was all because I was binge watching The Leftovers on HBO. I had Ann Dowd staring at me, smoking cigarettes, giving performances of a lifetime without even a line of dialogue. Every night I would watch two or three episodes and she was just staring into my soul. We were at a a lunch, just Dylan, Fran and I, one day, and we were just racking our brains. Like, who can we go out to Linda? Um, And I just was like, how about Ann Dowd? She was just like, on my mind, I was watching her every evening. Um, she's <laughs> one of the best actors on the planet. Um, and I was just like, what about that? And we just kind of were like, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> we, you know, we all look at each other like, yeah, she's perfect. Obviously, I guess we'll go out to her. We never expected her yeah. to read the script, read the script as fast as she did. I think we had our casting agents, um, casting directors send it to her agents. And she had it read in 24 hours, something quick. And the ultimate compliment um, from her was, I don't know how to say no to this movie. That's what she told Fran on their first conversation. Wow. And she, she was just in. And it was just, you know, all by uh, just a little, little fate uh, came our way. Yeah, then we had our full cast. And one of the amazing parts about working with Fran is that he's an actor. He has 20 plus years professional acting experience. Um, A Yale theater major, you know, he has this background and knew that he had to get the actors together. So once we had the four actors that we knew were going to be the parents in the film, Fran insisted that we have a two day rehearsal in New York city about a month before we started filming and it just changed the whole outlook of the film in independent films. Sometimes you don't even have a day or a table read with your actors. Sometimes you get them on the day they shoot, you know? So I, and yet I'm still surprised that you only had two days, given how (laughs) Mm -hmm. much it seems like this would depend on rehearsal. So that's amazing to me. Yeah. But continue, they, please. I'm sorry. I just yeah, have to highlight they, no, how crazy please. that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, it was wild. And it was mostly the schedules. So, you know, that was our other job as producers was balancing these four schedules of these amazing working actors that are on TV shows, on big movies, yep. uh, winning winning Emmy Awards, like and Tony Awards. Like, where you're just like, how do we balance these four people? Like, we have them locked for the shoot. <laughs> you know, we got them all <laughs> for about 10 days in Idaho in November, but how do we even get them together? And we were able to have a little two day window to get Jason from London to New York. And once we had that, um, all the other actors 
adjusted and just met each other and worked in a little black box theater and just did table work for two days. They were able to ask Fran every question, go over every scene. Fran walked around the table with, you know, an app taking le- different lens size photos <laughs> for references mm. and Nice. Um, had a camera and would re- and he re- even recorded it and could listen to the dialogue and just everyone his plan was to have everyone just sit do that for two days get all the questions everything out and just sit with it for a month yeah. and it changed everything they were these these four actors sat with this material for a month and when they what showed did it up change? you when you yeah. i i can imagine some of the things but when you come back in a month and you have only 10 days. That's also crazy. How was it different? What changed? We had 14 total. We had most of our actors for Ted. We, we, we shot like the little bookends of the movie first. So mm-hmm. the beginning and the end are, are, were, we shot. And then when we got the, the actors, yeah, we, we, we only had 10 days for them. I think we did a day with them outside of the room. And then the, the rest of it was just all... That scene, it's inside the room. And I, I think as far as changing for, for the actors, I think they were, I think that allowed them to really be prepared. This is the most prepared cast I think I've ever worked with as far as we would get them in the morning, get them ready. Uh, they, you know, do rehearsals and then basically shoot. We had kind of short days because we were in Idaho and it was daylight dependent and it was Idaho in like November. So sun went down at five. So I think we were shooting about like nine hour days, you know, maybe, maybe nine, 10 hours. Then they would go back and rehearse after, after dinner, they would like, they would rehearse again with Fran. They would come back, Fran would come back and they would just be ready for the next day. I think everyone just knew how important the material was and how how great the script was and how to be honest with it. So everyone came in as prepared as they could be to to really knock it out of the park. It, it really shows. Yeah, so the crew was, you know, you'd wrap a long shoot day and then the talent would keep working, basically, with with friend. And that yeah. is, you think... But we, like, yeah, we weren't like, even having long shoot days. Our, our longest day was probably 10 hours. Because we were restricted by our one our budget, we where yeah. everyone was on payroll, we couldn't afford overtime. But also, as mentioned before, the sun went down at right. five p.m. and we were filming out windows. There were windows behind each character all that whole scene long. So everyone was really kind of well rested. It kind of speaks in a positive way for shorter hours on film sets because. It, it leaves a lot of time for creativity to happen. Our crew members were well rested. They were happy every morning. We were all on location, so we would do dinners together, watch movies. It was it was it was amazing. And then the cast would always be working mm. because they would have a six to eight hour day uh, of shooting, and then they would all go back to the hotel, relax, and then they would rehearse the next day's work. Um, if they had questions, Fran would meet them there or get on the phone immediately. And they were just so prepared. It was all preparation. And I think to answer your earlier question, what changed them over that period of four weeks after doing the table work rehearsal in New York is that they were 
the characters and they were off book in a theatrical sense. They came in with that whole script and all the character moments and inner thoughts all 100% ready. It was wild. I've, ne I've never experienced anything like that, especially on an independent set. And they were just always prepared and they were always working, even because we had shorter days. That, that even gave them a lot more time to work on the next days. Was it chronological within the big scene? Film yes. production? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so we, we bookended the other scenes when we didn't have all the cast. We, we shot the opening scene and the end scene. The final scene is actually shot on day one, if uh, you can believe it. Mm. After you watch the film, you'll be amazed that that was able to happen. Yeah. That type of emotion on day one. That's how prepared the cast was. And then we got into the room. We had Jason for 10 days of the 14. And then he came into town. We were able to do his drive-up shots and his other interstitial things. And then we went into the room for eight days and um, that was chronological. Right. Um, that's when it turned into the play we were talking yeah. about earlier. They would do eight to 12 pages a day wow. at some point. And yeah. we'd have a two camera setup, and it would just spin around the table for six to eight hours, just getting different pieces. There was so much coverage. They did it so many times. They supported and gave a hundred percent when they were off camera to the people that were on camera, they would just rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. It was amazing to witness. And one of the other tricks that was really clever that Fran and the cast came up with was that they would actually back up a, a page every day. So, you know, after the work, they did eight pages on day one, it was 12 pages day two. They would actually back up a page to, from, from the previous day to warm up. And they would film that whole thing and they warm up and then go into the 12 pages. So they were actually doing 13 pages that day. And we, they did that every day as almost an exercise, warm up, kind of a pre-lap of emotions from yesterday. It was just a brilliant idea that they, again, came up with in that rehearsal time mm. after these shorter days. They were just hanging out together and they're like, well, since we have the time, let's back up and then roll into all the emotion of the day. And it was just, uh, I was just magical. That's amazing. It sounds like it was a fun collaborative set to be on where everybody was really bringing their, you know, their best work consistently. I kind of, before we run out of time, I want to talk, because we talked about the production and the craft here. I want to talk about, or ask you both about the larger cultural and societal implications. There's a huge emotional quality to this work that, you know, is why it works. Yeah. But this is a huge issue. And I can see how that would be tough to get around, tough to manage, and also just an obstacle in some ways of making the movie. The conversations between the talent and the director might sometimes veer towards it. But just from a producer's standpoint, where did you, how, how did you feel about all of that you know, there's so much baggage. Yeah, well, one thing I'll I'll, I'll say is, uh, yeah, we shot this before the pandemic. We had we kind of had no idea what was coming, and I I think it, it's sadly definitely you know very much an Amer 
uh, an American problem that we have. We have we have these issues, and I think, but also the movie not only deals with that, but also, you know, how do you heal after a, a shared trauma? You know, and I think that's what 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 really drew drew us to it was that the movie is all about connection between people, and how do you how do you kind of reconcile with each other after you've after you've had such a horrible thing happen and maybe you you feel the the other people responsible but how do you come together and start a conversation and work in a way to 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 fully heal and i I think that's really what the movie is about it's it's really about that and i think it, it takes it to a you know the ultimate with the with the gun violence and the and the the mass shootings, uh, but I think at the heart of it, it's these these people, and you really feel connected with them. You really feel a sense of community. I feel like at the at the end of the movie, that I think that we're all uh, striving for. Yeah, uh, JP, do you have additional thoughts? I'm I'm curious to hear also your your take on that, and and also yeah. just the. The goal, you know, the goal is to execute what this beautiful script that that compelled you got both so much, but also the goal, like hoping it's out in the world. What do you hope people respond with? Yeah, that was, you know, going in, we knew we had a huge responsibility on our shoulders with this type of story. And one thing I do love about the script is that it's apolitical that it didn't focus or have an agenda or show the events. There's a lot of films about school shootings and they show the, the event and the, the mass hysteria and the impact and the, the blood and the, the trauma and everything happening in real time. And with this film set six years later, and not showing those things and not having a big, huge political statement. It's just literally holding a mirror up to the problem to invite everyone in the audience to watch. No matter what your take is on gun control or the issues of mental health and what, pro- you know, what issues cause these problems and these mass shootings, especially in our schools, no matter what your opinion is on it, you're not alienated from this film in this story. It's just mm. about what happens after what happens six years later when the news stops talking about the event. The, the, the lawsuits are all settled. The gun lobby is on to the next thing. Political pundits are on to the next thing. What happens to these families? What happens to the sets of parents and when Fran was doing all his research for four years while he was developing, he did stumble upon these reconciliation groups uh, that the film's based on. These these meetings happen all the time. People need their closure. They need the parents of a victim need to talk to the parents of the shooter to figure out what went wrong so they can all have closure and uh, forgive each other at that table these these meetings happen way too often than they should in our country but i'm 
glad they do because uh, it gives them the healing and uh, forgiveness to, to to continue moving on um, in life and accepting their loss. So I think the story really focuses on an aspect that we don't know about, which is these reconciliation meetings. Just holds holds a mirror up and lets you grieve, lets you grieve with them, lets you have this cathartic experience, which we need right now, which we need every time we hear news like this. So I do believe it was just well-designed and brought a different view of this problem. Yeah, it was, it was quite a big responsibility, but, you know, through a piece of art like this, it speaks, it speaks for itself, you know? So yeah. um, you're able to watch it and, and, just have it just roll over you. Yeah, it's um I I I ask and I, I love both of your answers, but I ask partly because there is such a difficult balance with whatever the filmmaker and filmmakers believe with that you can the power of this of cinema or storytelling and narrative is that you could present it in a way to get people to feel or try to force people to feel things or try to, you know, I don't want to use the word propaganda, but that's part of it. Right. And I think when you say apolitical, you're sort of referring to like, we don't want people to feel pushed to a stance based on how we present the story. We want people to feel the emotions, the raw human real aspect of this that people go through all the time without telling them, how they should think about it or what could change it. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, this movie is literally about bringing people to the table and having a conversation. It's what's going on, on, on film while you're watching it. And it's what happens after we love telling people to watch this movie with other people. Even if you just get it on demand or something, watch it with a family or roommate or friend, because we were fortunate enough to see it in theaters and each time the lobby, we would just go to the lobby after and talk for over two hours about. Can you, can you tell me about some of the, the variance in response? Like, and I'm curious also in terms of like political spectrum, because people have such strong held views, myself included on this issue. What are some of the conversations you overheard or took part in? Uh, Yeah. What did you witness and experience there? Yeah, there hasn't been this division that we thought there'd be while getting all this support from liberal like sides and then all this pushback from more of a conservative side of this topic and conversation. We figured like, okay, we're going to have, you know, support here and hatred over here and be called propaganda by this side and be called, you know, something by the other like you know it's like the reaction has just been about the emotion luckily and just like the experience and like the cathartic like release that the movie has yeah there has been the most two powerful responses that i've received is that one of the um moms from the parkland shooting watched the film uh she watched it multiple times on opening weekend and was her child uh, was, was just, her child a victim 
or yes, her child was yeah. her her little girl was killed, um, and she was just talking about how real and how useful this movie is for the healing process of all that, and that was amazing and powerful. And then the other piece, and it's always parents that reach out. Uh, a parent reached out and was like, "Wow, I believe this will be a teaching tool." for other parents who may have children that are going through mental health issues and planning something like this. And I, and I didn't even realize Hmm. that it it could be a teaching tool like that. And this parent was telling me, I feel that some people will watch this and say, Oh my God, I'm ignoring the signs. Like, you know, like Linda and Richard were ignoring the signs. Or, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, like this could have (laughs) uh, an impact that we don't even know about at some point where I had, you know, it had not occurred to me either that you were even going there as you were saying. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was just like, that's just the ultimate. Those were the just the two ultimate uh, compliments on the film about the topic uh, we covered. Yeah. Yeah. Without passing judgment, but saying like, hey, this is what this this might be what it looks like Mm -hmm. if you. If you see that, yeah, like, you know, you don't want to be parents at that table anytime in your life. Yeah. God, no. So it's like, how do you prevent that? If your child is planning an assault, having mental health issues, how do you prevent yeah. being Richard and Linda being in there? I think they had a dozen of these meetings through their lawyer. Um, and how do you prevent this from being your future? And then again, also losing your child and uh, prevent, you know, and uh, preventing a, a mass shooting. How, how can you, how can you do that? Um, yeah, that's a really uh, proactive yeah. angle where there's, there's another that I think you, you, you both mentioned, which is the bring to the table factor, which is people that might not realize they need to do something like this. Sadly, there's a lot of people who might benefit from doing something like this. But your point about how there's a preventative opportunity is really powerful. Yeah. And I personally didn't even recognize that until a parent told me. And maybe they were speaking for themselves and their child. And I don't know, but they shared that. And that definitely has an impact. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we've uh, we've known we know people that have been around people that have that have lost someone sadly, and they've, they've reached out and uh, have told us how how meaningful it is for them. And I, I think everyone that we 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 talked to, and yeah, we we did get the pleasure of being in the theater and and, and seeing just how people react. Everyone's been coming up and just talking about just the cathartic experience that they've had. And I, I think we've we've all kind of needed that. I think it's something that's, you know, kind of beautiful about movie making is that you can, you know, take people on that journey, take them, take them to this place. It, it seems like it's dark, but it's but it's not. It really, you really do have a cathartic, beautiful experience with these characters, and I, I think that's what everyone's connecting with. And, you know, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of people go through a lot of different kinds of trauma or different 
or do kind of feel sometimes that there is this division that we have in this country and to be able to look at people differently and just kind of see everybody's humanity with these characters, I, I think is what, what so many people have been responding to and, and reaching out to us and just talking about how much they, they've appreciated and loved this. It's been very gratifying. And, and like we've keep, uh, keep talking about, it's just, just that sense of community. That's like that we're, that we need to hopefully re- after, after everything we've gone through these last couple of years, you know, reach back out together. Yeah. I thank you both for, for taking the time to do the interview. I also thank you for uh, being so frank and open about discussing all these things about the movie and for making this movie and championing it because it's a great, that's putting it mildly, it's just a great thing. I hate that it has to exist in the world in a way, but I am, mm-hmm. I am glad that it does and that it does in this way. And I, I, hope, I hope people will continue to see it and talk about it and think about it in, in the ways we've talked about. So thank you both so much. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. much. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, JP and Dylan, for coming on the podcast. Mass is a movie that everyone should see if they can. I think it humanizes, like we said, and brings home things that we only conceive of in very general and distant terms things that are hugely important to what's going on in our world, in our country specifically, a problem that we continue to have. And it's just a great lesson in good screenwriting, effective independent filmmaking, and what kind of movies and what kind of scripts and stories get that attention, the ultimate goal attention of, oh my God, we got to make this movie. I think that's something to really take with you and think about. You want people to think that when they read your script. Please go over to nofilmschool.com. You can read about all kinds of stories in the world of filmmaking, filmmaking news, technology, and education. Please like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Check out our weekly episodes where we cover all the news in the world of entertainment and filmmaking and technology and give our commentary, which sometimes people don't agree with. And we'd love to hear from you, whether you agree or not, with your questions or comments. You can contact us at editor at nofilmschool.com. That's editor at nofilmschool.com. We love hearing from you. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, see our Instagram, YouTube. We're not on TikTok yet. Maybe one day. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.